Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts. This is episode 67. So it is obviously in honor of Michael Prolik, who wore number 67 when he was with the Jets. Anyhow, uh, this episode is basically just myself and Ryan having a nice little chit-chat about all things Jets after a long delay in recording. Ryan, if you can't tell, was uh, quite sick uh, doing this and was very reluctant to do it anyhow, so probably not his A game, but um, I don't know if we've ever had an A game, so uh, I think that's fine. Anyhow, uh, I'm not going to tell you about all the content of it, you can just listen, see if you enjoy it, see if you... uh, um, can get through it on your, your drive to Regina for those of you going to the Heritage Classic. And for those of you not going, maybe we'll see you at Chapters on, what what is it, Sunday? I'm trying to see Timo Solani sign in his new book. Maybe we should do a book review. That'd be a good idea. Anyhow, uh, we do have a lot of other stuff still coming up. A bunch of interviews, but man, I got a full-time job and three kids. I find it hard to do time to do these interviews, and a lot of the people involved with the podcast don't want to do them. So, um... They don't like doing interviews. I don't mind. I don't care. Uh, so those those will be coming up. But uh, here's something to tide you over for a little bit. I think we uh, have a little different take than maybe some of the stuff you're used to listening to. So hopefully you enjoy it. And go Jets go. And enjoy the Heritage Classic for those of you going out there. That's it. Here it is. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Pause. Okay, hold on. At the end, there's an audio clip that I sent Ryan. Me being a big dummy. And uh, so at the very end, after the outro, you're going to hear a very stupid audio clip that Ryan insisted we include. So I, I didn't want to include it, but you said we had to. So it's just me being dumb. Okay, enjoy. Here's the episode. All right, Jets fans, we're back at it again. Can you believe it? It's been forever. It's literally been... Eight games. We we did uh, an episode of the first three games, and now we waited eight whole games to record again. Now, it's uh, myself, AJ, with uh, Ryan here. Hello, Ryan. Hi. Can, hi. There's Ryan. Okay. So we don't have a whole bunch of people to talk over each other, but um, we, the old AIH Superfans podcast, used to get accused of quitting podcasting when the team got good because they were truly awful trolls now we haven't recorded in two weeks so does that mean that we're like truly awesome fans because the team isn't doing that well so is is that what we should take away from this because that was the accusation before is that a, a fair assumption that we we're just so down and so sad that this team hasn't been um i would say they're meeting expectations but not um not the expectations that we wish that we had so does that mean we're really good fans by waiting so long to do this ryan what's your first take on that if me crying myself to sleep last night doesn't make me a true fan, I don't know what does, AJ. <laughs> well, there you go. You, you heard it here first. Ryan cries himself to sleep after Jets games. And uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, the day after the LA Kings uh, beat the Winnipeg Jets 3-2. to two. Um, I actually, I'll be honest, I did not see that game. I fell asleep putting the baby down. And missed the whole thing and haven't gone back to uh, to watch it yet. But uh, yeah, so that screams that totally screams real fan right there. <laughs> hey, hold on! I didn't tell you all the ones that I watched and rewatched though. I just that just the one that I missed. This is the most recent. I'll I'll watch it uh, uh, parts of it tonight, but not uh, not before we record. So anyhow, we got a bunch of stuff obviously to get to. There's tons of different storylines. 
Um, it's funny, actually, coming out of uh, training camp, I thought, there's so many storylines about different players and about contracts, and then it's like, a, a week removed from that, players get sent down, the contracts are, you know, negligible, everyone's moved on with things, and now all of a sudden those stories are, like, nothing. And so some of the stories that I think there are to talk about are almost, there's so much to talk about, but it almost feels like there's really nothing to talk about because there's there's not really anything new. We We kind of, the Jets are who we thought they were, um, and now slightly worse with a couple more defensive injuries. So, uh, I mean, that might be the best place to start is talking about the D. I know it's a bit of exhaustive where everybody hears about it on the radio and um, wherever else you're listening about the, the Jets. But to, today they signed Lucas Bisa. So maybe we'll start there and kind of work our way backwards. That's the most recent signing, uh, an, a depth signing. Uh, I'm not sure if I believe that that's great depth. But, uh, Ryan, what's your first takeaway from... Uh, Luca Spisa uh, being signed to the Winnipeg Jets for a warm body. I understand Shevel Day off thinking that this team needs depth defensemen, but how many number eight defensemen do you need on your roster? Yeah. I, I'm not totally getting the signing, and I understand, I'm um, sorry, the, the pickup. I understand the buff situation is making things difficult. And yeah. you can't go out and get a guy worth a ton of money, especially if Buff wants to come back. But I don't think this is doing anything for you. Now, if he goes down to the Moose and this is a move to bring up a player like Niku, I guess, then that's all right. But I know the Moose are really having a lot of D problems right now. Lots of injuries. Stanley's out. Niku is out. I feel like someone else is out. But Niku is also going to be returning right away. So let's say he gets a couple games in and they pull him up. Well, then Spiza's down there to uh, cover him. I'm not sure if that was the move, but I just can't see how he adds anything to the roster. Yeah, it's interesting, the timing, because they're talking about Bullyu getting a lot closer. I think we're getting in that range of when they're starting to talk about him coming back. I mean, Pullman had a minor injury, apparently, and uh, so you kind of think he's not going to be out very very much longer. Potato looks like he's healed up and coming back. Uh, Niku is getting closer. So as all these guys are getting healthier, and, I mean, uh, if Buff is coming back, we're obviously every day is one day closer to that decision if, again, big if there. But I've named four other defensemen that would be, um, well, three of them definitely ahead of Speeds on the, uh, the depth chart. All getting healthy yet at the same time feeling like we need to do this and like you said stanley and niku are um have both been out for a little bit but it does kind of feel a little bit strange the the timing what i kind of attributed to is a bit of back to the off season they didn't really do much with their depth we talked about it i think last episode basically it was pionk for truba uh Batetto for uh uh, Myers, right? Like just kind of looking at replacing. I know they're not the same side, whatever. And then buff the late decision and adding Dahlstrom. I mean, those are not great trades. I know they're not they're all trades, but just sort of one for one, those players and who you replace them with. So now when your terrible uh, depth gets hurt, your only option is to probably go down. It's not like you, you hurt a depth defenseman all of a sudden, get a lot better unless of course you're making some kind of trade and you already mentioned the the buff cap situation um kind of probably makes that a, a little bit difficult but um yeah it's a, i just find the timing uh just kind of back to that the timing a little bit interesting just because uh, it seems like everybody's getting healthy so w- why now i don't know 
And I, I don't know, have you read anything else about uh, maybe the why now? Will everyone else get healthy? Is it just to kind of tie the team over for a couple days until everybody's legit healthy? Because that seems like a weird, weird play to, to do that. Well, if I remember correctly, I read that Maurice said he was going to be a good guy in the locker room. Which just completely blows it. it blows my mind how many guys that you need that are good in the locker room. How broken is it in there that you need defensemen or players who are not NHL caliber players in there? It's <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Now I don't know if that's actually what Maurice said 100. percent I could be paraphrasing or I could be mistaken. I thought that's what I read. I haven't been going very deep into this story because to be honest it just makes me want to want to shy away from Jets news because you know how Twitter gets it's a bit of a dumpster fire when things like this happen and and it should be there's no reason to bring in a guy like this um yeah, yeah I I don't know what do you what have you thought I wanted to ask you about this what have you thought of of uh, Carl Dahlstrom so far because again he was brought in and everyone thought uh, here's another seven eight guy and he hasn't he hasn't been terrible but maybe that's because he's playing on a decor that is so depleted that he just kind of blends in or do you think he's actually been playing well yeah you know it's it's funny that you bring him up because i specifically want to ask you about pionk because i figure, i know that you have some different takes than than i do uh, about him specifically so we'll kind of get to that but uh Dahlstrom, I, I don't know the the D has been decimated. Um, it's not good. Adding him was like a, a late addition. Looked like desperation, honestly. And I guess you could argue that he's an NHL defenseman, probably a, a, typically a 5'6", and he's playing in a 3-4 a role, so he's a bit over his head. Um, he seems to be a little bit better, and this is what I heard about him, and, and so I looked for it. But I think back to the, actually the Chicago game where there's one point I think he was like leading the rush or something, or maybe might have even been on penalty kill that he was willing to kind of go up um, and, and sort of take his chance up the ice a little bit. But I heard that he's not bad offensively, but defensively he's terrible. And that's kind of what I've seen. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, it's a little bit hard to, to say with some of this stuff right now because it doesn't look at all what it's supposed to. You kind of figure once everybody gets healthy, this is not going to be the normal set of guys, right? Like you kind of feel like Kulikov because they're paying him the money. He's probably still going to be on the third pair with, um, you know, uh, Poolman, you know, our second pair is going to be ideally uh, Niku and, you know, Pionk and Hainola and, and Morrissey rounding out that top four, unless you can add a buff in there. Oh, and Bullyu. I mean, Bullyu probably comes in and Hainola takes off. We, we didn't even get to him. So Dahlstrom, I mean, is just okay. I, I, I'm not overly impressed, but it is kind of just what it is, man. He's just a, a random-ass defenseman picked up on waivers that everyone else probably passes on, and the Jets found room for him. And, for him. and again, they're going from a, a pretty good defensive group uh, last year, and as, especially two years ago when they had that run, seemed to be pretty strong, to just when you add bad depth you can it seems like you can only go down from there although people have been shouting for honk i'm not sure if he's still holding out right now but or not holding out but just without a contract 
Um, I'm pretty sure sure he is. But yeah, Dahlstrom, I, I'm whatever on. But uh, he's not as much of a storyline as I think the Pionk is because people trying to say, you know, the Jets, I don't know if you've seen much of this, but the Jets definitely won the trade because the cap space, that uh, how much less he is than uh, Truba, plus getting Hainola and and Pionk himself. But uh, my, my hot take on that is is... Hey, Nola was our pick to begin with. I know Tony hates it when I say this. Um, and you can't really count on a guy to come in uh, first year. And that, that can't have been the plan, that this guy's going to make the team out of camp. It's only because of injuries and because of buff and, and uh, lack of depth that Hey, Nola's on the team. It, it's great. It's great. And then the cap savings, I mean, they should have signed uh, Truba to two years in arbitration and let him walk for nothing. And they would have still had the, um, the Hey, Nola pick. They would have just not gone all in on the playoffs last year. But anyway, I'm, I, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. I wanted to talk, ask you about Pionk because you, you specifically are seeing a little bit more out of him than I think uh, some other people are. So what do, you, what do you like about his game? I just like how he seems to be more responsible than we thought. I know when the trade happened, everyone was full-on panic mode, and myself included. I have no problem saying now that maybe I was wrong and he isn't as bad as... As originally, we had figured that he could be. Um, you know, they usually say a defenseman's doing, <clears throat> sorry, a defenseman's doing a good job when he's not noticeable. But I'm noticing him for those good things. He seems to be hard on the puck. That's such a cliche, and I hate myself for saying that. But he just seems to be going deeper into the offensive zone and fighting for those loose pucks, and and still being able to backtrack if he needs to, and uh, and covering in his own zone. I don't know if he's, uh, if we can say that we won the trade, because Jacob Truba is a very, very good defenseman. But I can say that it's not as bad as we had originally thought, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can bring, because he's 24 years old, so I mean, he, he doesn't have a very high ceiling at this point. Right. But he's a, a $3 million cap hit for the next two years for what we're seeing right now. I, I think that's a good deal, and he's looked good, especially with Hainola. Now it'll be interesting to see who he goes with. Um, I don't know if he – has he played with Hainola pretty much this entire time? Uh, I think he's had a, had a bit of time with Morrissey as well. Okay. Um, right, at, right at the beginning, I think they tried him out there for, for a little bit, and then Morrissey was um... – Saddled with the uh, right side Kulikov and then Pullman. Right. So I think Morrissey's had more more um, people. And then um, Hayden Ola also had, uh, when he set out, I believe Dahlstrom was with Pionk on the second pair. So uh, he was he was there too. Um, trying to remember. But yeah, I, they, they've all had a couple a, a bit moving around. But uh, I think it's probably pretty safe to say Hayden Ola and Pionk have been together the most. Uh, okay. Part, so. and, and it's odd to see them doing as well as they have, right? And you just talked about Hainola, how he's so young, and that was not in the plan for sure to have him in the lineup this year, probably at all, let alone eight games so far. And now we're coming up to that game number nine, and what happens? Well, I think maybe this move today, claiming speeds, uh, suggests that Hainola is going to be going down. Yeah. And I don't necessarily disagree with that move. Um He's young, he's 18 years old. I understand he he seems to be ready right now, but you have to remember what he's overseas last year. He's playing, what, 30 games a year? You want to get this guy into a bit more shape. 
I don't know if an 18-year-old can come in and play 80 games for you. Yeah. And and by the end of the season, he's going to be burnt out. And with the way that the team's playing this year, I don't know if that's... <laughs> it's burnt out already. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if you want to put him in that situation where... Yeah. ...where the team's struggling and he's a part of that. Uh, I understand he's been very good, uh, more than we can expect from a guy his age. But we'll see. You know, if he stays up, then and good, he'll get a year with the team. But I think it's kind of a burn, a burner year, right? It, it, I don't know if the team's going to make the playoffs, and if they do, if they can even contend. So why waste a year of an entry-level contract the first year on that? Now, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an argument why, and uh, this is brought up by Tony. Tony, you know, has uh, some good points sometimes that, uh, that I enjoy. But he said, coming out of an entry-level contract, you probably, when you talk about saving money and all this stuff, probably maybe get the guy for a little bit less if he's uh, 21 years old versus a more established 22-year-old. So burning that year and just kind of starting that contract, the clock on him, I mean, then you start looking at a bridge instead of a two-year bridge coming out of that when he's 22. Maybe you're getting a three-year bridge out of a 21-year-old and you're sort of making up the difference there. Uh, I think there's uh, there's good reason to, to do it. But uh, then I ran into um, Robert. Uh, I'm, I can't remember his handle on, on Twitter, but I, uh, people would probably recognize who he is um, at work the other day. And he had some good points. We stopped uh, just in the middle of our day and chatted for a long time. Can you believe it? And uh, he said... <laughs> That uh, he thought that uh, maybe if the Jets sold it to the fan base um, as they're going to do this load management thing. I know some people are concerned about the 40 games more than the 90 games. I think it's 40 because at that point, then I, I believe that they lose a year, a year of RFA or whatnot. I mean, it, whatever. We're not going to do your research for you. We're kind of putting the ideas out there. So uh, go do the research yourself. But I'm pretty sure it's it's something like that. You lose that that year of uh, RFA at the end. So then you only have a player for six years of control or it's something to that effect. So um, Tony's fuming right now because <laughs> I didn't do the research on this before I talked about it. But <laughs> anyhow, so some people believe that 40 is the actual magic number, not the nine, because they're okay to burn that ELC, but they don't want to lose that year sort of at the end but honestly if you like robert was saying if you sold it to everybody that we're going to keep this kid up forget it he's made the team this team sucks we're going to need him on d but we're going to load manage him instead of look like we're just flying by the seat of our pants with like oh yeah he's great he's great and then all of a sudden he has an off game and then all of a sudden he's benched for three games it looks it looks um what's that word not petty um, just sort of like he's being being punished, whatever the term is. I, I, it's escaping me right now. But um, it looks like that's what's happening as opposed to we actually have a plan in place for this player. We can see what he is. We see that he can help us. We're fine to burn it. We're going to load manage. So he's not going to play an 82-game season. Um, he's going to play a 50-game season, right? But, but we're going to burn that year, and we're going to burn that UFA thing because he can help the team right now. And uh, I don't know. I just think that you should try and play your best players. Find whoever the best players are. Try and find them. It's the coach's job to put them in the best thing. And he's obviously one of the best players. Even if everybody's healthy, um, he's still going to be in the top six for, for the D. And I'm not sure how you move everybody around to, to make it fit. Maybe if literally everybody's healthy and Buff comes back, then you know maybe there's a strong argument that uh, that he should go. But even if he stays, I would totally be fine with that as long as they look like they had a plan and weren't just sort of making it up. Now, kind of back to what we talked about earlier, there have been a lot of injuries. The depth isn't great, right? And uh, right now we're talking about four players that are just coming back from injury. 
um, or uh, just were recently injured, like Pullman. We're not sure exactly when he's coming back, but I imagine soon, plus his visa addition, that all of that throws a monkey wrench into you know their plans for the kid. But if it looked like they had a plan and they could just tell us what the plan is, um, I think more people would be uh, on board with it instead of guessing. And and I, I guess that's that's a maybe a topic for a different day. How much information does the team owe the fans? Everything or nothing. I don't really know. Or some somewhere in between. Maybe they don't owe it to us to do anything, and they're just kind of figuring it out. But it seems like they should have some something in mind that doesn't look nearly as random as it does right now. So, I, I think that he plays more than. Um, no, I, sorry. I don't think he plays more than nine nine games. I think they send him down, and I think do that's think, that's a bad play. Do you think there's a possibility that they uh, convince him to stay in North America and just go to the Moose? I think there's a pretty good chance. Yeah, I mean, especially if there's, you know, the other Finnish connections here that for, for some reason, when it comes to Finland, we, everybody just talks about those like connections, like between those players. I don't know if it's just a, a country thing, but I don't know if I went somewhere else and I met a bunch of people from different countries and then somebody else was from Canada and they're from BC. I wouldn't really care that much, but everyone cites it as a thing. So I don't know how fair that is to say, Oh yeah, because Veselainen's here and Nico's here and Line is here. That's a selling feature. Maybe it is, but maybe some people like adventure and don't want to be all around their countrymen and just speak Finnish in, in Canada anymore. Maybe they just, you know, want to work on their English and play hockey and, you know, meet girls or whatever. Uh, so I don't know if that's a selling feature. We're always told that it is. I, I think it's can be for some people. Everybody's different, right? So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that's, well, when he first came here, what did uh, what was it when Line signed? He went to Line's house for dinner that first night. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and his so, dad made dinner for them. Yeah, that, yeah. So obviously there's a connection right off the hop there, and and good on Line for saying, "Hey, fellow Finn, I've never met you before, but come on over, and I'll get you uh, used to this environment." And I don't know if yeah. he's living with him, but. Uh, or what that well, doesn't that doesn't matter I guess but line A's pool boy no I'm sorry <sighs> <laughs> that was so dumb so I also forgot to mention Luoto too with the moose right Luoto is another another fin too so um, yeah. for, for those keeping uh, track of the fins there's another one but yeah so if that is a motivating factor uh, and we don't know enough about the character the kid. To, to really say but maybe it is a motivating factor and then he stays so I think it's quite likely that he would stay with the moose probably make a bit more money I'm gonna guess um, yeah I, I don't know if he's I, I'm using the 82 games thing as uh, as a reason to send him down but I guess he has to do that eventually right if he does it when he's 19 or 20 what's the difference I don't yeah. know if you're gonna be building up that much more conditioning um, just going back and playing those 36 games or whatever it is back home. Yeah. Because uh, he, he's putting up some serious minutes. I'm just looking at the shift chart from last night, and he's putting up some big big minutes. So Yeah. And he, and he doesn't look sluggish at the end of games. I, I've been looking for that from the younger guys to see how they're performing, say, in the last 10 minutes of a third when the pace really starts to pick up. You're down a goal, and you're starting to make that push. He looks all right. So... Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I say they do send him down. Uh, yeah. Just just based on, I think Chevy will 
will want to keep up his uh, his draft and develop <clears throat> model. Yeah. Uh, model and, and yeah. And you mentioned Spisa too, so I think that might be a bit of an indicator. And the fact that he was sitting set out three in a row like that seems like, um, you know, if if he's going to go play with another team, you're probably not adding him to another team in January, right? You're probably adding him in November, you know, at the uh, by the end of November at the latest. So he has to get those nine in ga- nine games in, and there's only so many games you're going to take off before you get to that nine, right? You're not going to sit him for nine games and then play him for one, sit him for nine, play him for one, all of a sudden 82 games have gone by. So, but the, we talk about the load management thing. I would love to see that as something that, you know, teams specifically our team, the jets uh, would employ with everything. I mean, when they, it looks like they're going to keep a pretty small press box um, this year, um, probably to save some cap space to maybe make a dip, you know, in uh, a trade market time. Uh, the trade deadline to see if they have enough space to maybe add some D. I'm going to guess they kind of did that um, previous times. Right now, I believe they're only carrying one person in the press box, and I think you carry three. I'm trying to think of who else was up there, but Gustafsson was up there. Right now, I don't even know who's up there. Um, yeah, you can have a 20... See. Sorry, yeah, you can have 23 guys yeah. on your roster, and right now they're only carrying 21. Um, I don't know, again... Going back to the buff thing, I don't know if you can make a splash right now for a trade. So, I don't no, know if right that's now, a cap but, space move or not. Yeah, I, I think they're they're probably going to pinch pennies just just in case. Anyhow, who, who knows, uh, right? Because even if you if you move a player, you have that cap space you've uh, you've managed to save as well as the player salary leaving. So. Th- you know, you you can probably get something for a, a player back in return for a little bit more. But, I, I mean, that's neither here nor there. I would love to see when they did carry a lot of players in the press box, and if they do, like a David Gustafson uh, who was up there, they had to actually rotate those players through, especially on those, uh, you know, third and fourth lines um, that they're not doing all that heavy lifting. Try and at least keep those guys fresh. If you're going to bury other guys into into the ground, try and at least keep the some of those guys on the ice playing and uh, just make that part of your load management, you know, and then every so often just say, Oh, Wheeler's got a cold or Shifley's got a cold and kind of skip those guys out for uh, a game here or there, just to give those guys a bit of a break. I, I just think load management feels like a smart play, not just with an 18 year old, but just with the team in general um, instead of just, you know, yeah, just playing guys until they run ragged, which it seemed to look like they did last year. Uh, at least at the beginning, it definitely looked like that with Buff and Shifley and uh, Wheeler playing so much. So, Well, yeah. back to load management, I'm looking at the stats from last night. Perot, Gustafson, and Bork didn't get their first uh, touch on the ice until nearly eight minutes into the game. And they did <laughs> not play. They did not play after the... <clears throat> trying to read this correctly. The three minutes into the final period. Right. So that so, means everybody else is doing all that, that other playing. And it shows a lack of trust in those guys, but also you burn out those other ones and maybe they don't have the legs at the end. I mean, it's it's maybe a bit hyperbolic to say that because it's like, oh, if you take one minute away from Shifley, what difference does that really make? You don't know till you kind of try. And at least if you're making that effort and you have a reason for doing it, um, that, that sort of makes sense, then... Uh, I, th- I think you have a strong argument to at least go off and say why you did something instead of just 
um, not even being asked about why these guys are playing five, six, seven minutes, right? Nobody even cares at that uh, anymore. They just ask about everything else. Sorry, I cut you off there. Well, that is a number, the six minutes and 15 seconds okay. for okay. David Gustafson, at least. Uh, the others on that line will be pretty similar. Actually, Perot, sorry, he did play uh, later in the third period when they juggled the lines. It was Gustafson and Bork who were stapled to the bench. I understand you want to have your best players out there at the end of the game when you're down by one, but Pionk, Wheeler, Shifley, Line, and Connor, they played from two minutes and 16 seconds left until the end of the game. So there's absolutely no rest there. I think they took a timeout, but you got to give, that's that's a lot of time to be on the ice and the other team's going to start picking up on that and, I know the Jets have last change. Why don't you change it up and put out a different line for 30 to 40 seconds of that final three minutes and and give those guys a really good rest because they just, I didn't see them tying it. They just looked burnt out by the end. Yeah. Well, and like you say, you want to have your best players on, but you also want to have them in the best condition when they're yes. on. If, you, if, if you're saying, you know, Shifley's, uh, your best player or something like that, but you have a Shifley that's at 50%, you might as well throw Roslevic over the boards, right? Well, I commented on this last night. They look so dead tired. I think there was a minute and a half left in the third, and LA would clear the zone. Wheeler would get the puck just on the other side of the blue line. There would be two Jets trapped in the offensive zone, and then Wheeler would just dump it. <laughs> so by the time he dumps it and it goes behind the LA net – the Winnipeg players are still trying to make their way back to get onside, and that's just laziness. Or, sorry, maybe not laziness, but just that they're tired and they can't sit there and regroup for 10 seconds and actually uh, rush the puck. They're just dumping it in, and that, again, goes back to load management. Yeah, probably all that. Yeah, it all ties together. I mean... Um... And, that happened, and that happened two or three times. Wheeler, dump it in. L.A., get it. Clear it out. Wheeler get it, dump it in, and both times there was two jets trapped in the zone down by the hash marks or the face-off dots. Right. That doesn't do you anything. That just that oh. both of those instances killed 10, 12, 14 seconds off the clock. Yeah. All right, let's move along here, Ryan. We got a couple, a bunch of other things to to talk about. Um, well, before we kind of get to any sort of other uh, positives uh, or negatives, because I know people think we're going to just harp on the negatives, I'm curious actually um, if you would cite maybe a couple of the highs, like some players you've been impressed by. I, I know we already talked about Pionk, but what are some of the, the good things that we see? I mean, the Jets are, what do we say, five and six or four and yeah, five? I did five the math and six. Right. Five and six, right. They've played eight games since we last recorded and we're four and four in that time. So it looks pretty much like they're just continuing on where they left off at the since December last season, basically a 500 team with obviously some different bodies around, but a lot of stuff's looking the same. But uh, out of all that, what are some of the positives? Have you seen something different with the way the defense is playing? I mean, the special teams obviously haven't been that great, but uh, even when they tried sort of that uh, line on the other side or certain players that you're like, what's some, some of the pauses that you've, you've seen this team, at least in the last uh, eight games since we last recorded? Well, I'm not going to talk about defense or forwards. I'd like to talk about Connor Hellebuck, who has actually played fairly well compared to what we saw in the first game against the Rangers, where he yeah. really stunk it up. 
he's been facing a ton of shots right now. Right now, he is second in the league for shots faced. He's faced, what is it, 267 is what I have here. Only Marc-Andre Fleury has faced more. Uh, he's also oh, played two more games. He's played two more games? <laughs> okay, sorry. Fleury's no, played two more games than Hellebuck. Right. Yeah, so he's facing a ton of rubber right now, and I think he's doing fairly well. What was the shootout win? I'm blanking out right now. That was against Edmonton. And he absolutely stood on his head. That was as good of Hellebuck as I've seen in a while. And he yeah. got rewarded with it, of course. So. He kept a team in it when they didn't when the Jets didn't even score a goal. And when you can win those games, that's what's gonna give this team hope. He has right. a nine twenty nine save percentage right now and a two thirty eight goals against average. That's that's a lot better than what we came into this season expecting, I think, based on how we ended last year, and especially after maybe the first two games this season where he just seemed out of position and not tracking the puck as well as he as he could be. So there's there's my positive right there. I don't have a whole lot to say about the forwards. I mean, the forwards are who they are. We know that they can score goals. Yeah. They they maybe haven't been as much as they need to be, but they're getting the opportunities and they're getting uh, the pucks on the net. I think the shots last night were. 41-28. I'm picking that number off the top of my head. They were outshot by quite a bit, but the shot attempts were pretty close. I think it was 66 to 60. Again, that's just uh, I'm guessing those numbers um, based on stuff I heard today. But um, they're not the highest quality chances, but I think they are moving. They're passing the puck well. So I guess that's that's my positive on the forwards. I don't have anyone to pick out individually, just because there's been so much, so many line juggles and and hard to hard to get a grasp on exactly who they are right now. Ehlers has been has been terrific, maybe the best forward this year, but they need to start hitting the net. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about lining, Mister Adam Oates? You, you you got nothing to say about uh, this guy racking up the assists or no? <laughs> you know, I'm glad he actually brought that up because I wasn't really thinking of line A, but this year he's been, I guess, he looks like he did last year in the playoffs. I know we only got a six-game sample of that, but he's just, he's very hard on the puck. He's finishing his checks. He's making great passes. Maybe he should look at shooting when he is passing. Uh, the one thing this offseason, I know he said he was he was looking at completing his overall game, and maybe in his mind that was to be more of a playmaker and passing. But kid, you got the best shot in the league. Use it more often. Right. I wonder where he, he stacks right now for uh, shots. Sorry, just take it back to Hellebuck. What did you say his save percentage was right now? Because as you're doing that, I'm pulling up here too. Nine twenty nine. Sorry. Yeah, nine twenty nine. Okay, so right now that would put him in probably about the top 10, 2, 4, 6, 8, or maybe about 11th, somewhere around there. In 10th is uh, Yaroslav Halak with 931, and the league average is 910. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty good. And uh, I'm after that Rangers game, and I think even the second game that the Jets played after that where Hellebuck played, I mean, there's people calling for his head already and saying, like, just... Play Brossois, play Brossois. So it's nice to see that he, uh, see that he bounced back because 
didn't feel quite fair to kind of give up on him after two games. Um, although I, I know the, the feeling of just being like, screw this, let's move on to something else. I don't need to see any more of this. But um, was it the, I think it might have been the Islanders game that uh, he played because in the back to back, the first game, the Rangers, and then they went to New Jersey, and I believe Brossois won that game. So, um, I was just going to let you know, he's 17th right now for save percentage, but you got guys in there who have only played two or three games. Okay. So for starting goaltenders, I think he's top 10. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. I mean, and yeah. and that's kind of what we need this year. But like you said, uh, kind of to your point about the shots, you didn't really actually mention this, but um, the Jets are giving up way too many shots and not getting nearly enough uh uh, high quality shots. I mean, that. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to go through the scores. I'm I'm looking at all of them right now, but uh, I'm not going to open them all up to to look at the shots. But uh, I think everybody's been watching the games and and knows what we're seeing, and it's just not quite good enough. And now with Brian Little coming back, that's kind of next thing I want to uh, get to. We mentioned Line A. See some people online saying, "Hey, look, sorry, uh, Sorry, before you talk about Little, I just want to throw another stat at you because you talked about Line A shots. He is 34th in the league. Oh. I guess I'd be tied for 20, 29th in the league. He has 30 shots. So he's shooting, his shooting percentage is 10%. Okay, so the percentage is a little low. Yeah. Um, yeah. You think that's going to obviously bounce back up. but um, So now Little rejoins that second line. I mean, we all saw it coming a mile away. Right, that once Little is healthy, he'd take that second center line in and either be line A and Connor or line A and Ehlers, right? And looks like right now it's going to be Connor going forward, probably for the Heritage Classic and Ehlers on that top line. Um, do you think that line, I mean, they weren't good. This this has never really worked. But with the new improved line A, is this better? Or was the problem always Brian Little not being good enough to play with those guys i mean uh, again i always like to say everyone said he was the most underrated first line center in the league and now he struggles to be a second line center given who his line mates are i suppose so do you, do you think that uh this can work i mean i don't want it to work because i don't think this is a good idea i don't think maurice should do this i think he's been to the well it's come up dry before stop doing this you know split up shifley and wheeler wheeler's been dropping off you need to come up with some different ideas. So I don't think it's going to work personally, but do you see maybe some potential for this, just given the fact that Line is maybe playing better than he has previously with Brian Little? Or is this going to be uh, re recycled? Same idea. Well, I'll sum it up with just a couple words here. Paul Maurice is insane. Because <laughs> you know what? Do you know what the definition of insanity is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know Doing the, the same stuff, thing but... over and over and expecting different results. Right. We've been we've been here. He's he's tried this so many times and it just doesn't work. And I don't believe it's Patrick Lani that's a problem. It's Brian Little doesn't have the speed. Now you see last night when they put that line together that was uh, Line A, Shifley, and uh, Wheeler. They were very fast. Or sorry, who was? Uh, they, they shuffle the lines again, and it was uh, Shifley, Line and somebody. I, I am uninformed. Oh, Ehlers. Yeah, Sorry, Ehlers. Ehlers. Yeah. And they were flying. <laughs> now, they didn't really produce any offense, but they yeah. looked like they were getting the chances. Um, you can't put Line with slow guys and expect it to work. 
Now, Lardy is not the fastest guy in the world, but he needs somebody who can play fast and make those quick passes and set him up. And and Little's just not the guy to do that. I'm not saying Little's a bad player, but he's just not a second line center. Yeah. He's he's a he's a bottom six forward for sure. And you got to think this is going to piss Line off. Yeah. He's finally well, getting his his chance and we know what he said during the off season. He made his comments. He said what he said. And I know he kind of backtracked on it a bit and said, "Well, I never mentioned anyone by name, but we know." And yeah. he knows we know. <laughs> so, it'd be interesting to see what his reaction is to this, but I don't think going back to last year's forward lines is going to help. Now, I guess there is a bit of difference. We talked about this before we hit record. It's Line A, Little, and Connor now. Yeah. And before it was Ehlers. Yeah. So I so guess the line's, there's line's gotten worse. Yeah, it's, it's slightly different, but it's gotten worse because, I mean, probably most people that would listen to this podcast would have Ehlers ahead of Connor. But for those who don't, um, I'll just say Ehlers is clearly a much better player. His own entries and everything, uh, way better vision, everything than than Connor. And that's not taken away from Connor. It's just saying they're they're not they're not the same person, and it's not close either. So do you that, think that line this, has gotten worse? Do you think this has to do with Line showing up with more complete game that they think maybe he can drive that line a little better than relying on Brian Little? And on the other end, do you think that's to get Kyle Connor going? Because he he's been a bit slow this year. He hasn't been as good as maybe his contract would suggest. Do you think putting him with uh, with Line a is to maybe get him going as well? Two guys that can shoot the puck and score. You know, I honestly. Uh, I may have I may have flubbed a couple names there when I was talking. No, 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 no. I think I think you got them all. I think you got them the right order. Okay. Uh, for me, for my money, honestly, I don't think it's anything that's uh, there's that much thought going into it. Now, to be fair, uh, Maurice watches way more film than we do. They talk about it way more than we do. Blah blah. So that's fine. They're NHL coaches, uh, but that's also their job. So they they do that. But the conclusions that they come to, based after all that, I think. Um, it's the same mentality and thinking that was there before. So I don't think um, um, there's that much going on that's really backed by any evidence, but it's backed by um, conjecture ideas of like, yeah, I think let's try this. Let's see if this will work to quote unquote, get a guy going. Like I remember last year after the Finland trip, um, or maybe it was just before that it was put Liney with Tanev and Lowry to get, you know, line A going, and it's like, okay, but then you're breaking up that, I like that that line never made any sense to me at all. But the idea was get quote unquote line A going. But sometimes you might get somebody going, but stunt someone else, right? So then that TLC line that worked so well the year before is taken apart, right? And so you you're sort of uh, stealing from Peter to pay Paul or whatever the saying is, right? With your your chemistry. Um, so I, I think that they're kind of, you know, throwing darts in the dark here. I, I think that might be a cliche, but um, I don't even know. So, I, yeah, I don't think there's that much thought going into it. Uh, or, uh, sorry, there's lots of thought going into it. I don't think there's any evidence to, to back back the play. So Maurice is probably thinking something like, like what you're suggesting uh, to get Connor going. But, I mean, honestly, uh, I think he probably just, is thinking maybe a bit more of getting Wheeler going because Wheeler hasn't been that great and putting 
uh, Ehlers on that top line with Shifley, and Wheeler probably is more helpful to Wheeler than this hurts Connor to go down. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I be totally a, agree with a, you. Yeah. No, you, you hit it. You hit it right on the head there. It it seems like maybe they're just throwing a bunch of crap at the wall and seeing what sticks. That's which exactly is, it. And that's what it feels like. It always is, right? Like, which has the been the theme for so long. Which and it's it's tough. You think eventually they're going to figure out a line combination that can that can work. Yeah, but I, was, I just haven't seen it. It's uh, it's concerning. Yeah, and and the forward core has mostly been healthy, right? Like besides Brian Little. Um, but what was it the other day? Marat had uh, tweeted out that um, what was it? Ehlers, Line A, and uh, Cop. I think that was a line uh, two games ago, and he said they put something like fourteen shots towards the net and didn't give up any on their shifts. I think that might have been through two periods. I'm trying to remember the exact wording of the tweet, but anyhow, they were killing it. And then uh, so everyone's like, yeah, Cop's really making a play to stay on that second line. And it's like, well, they certainly are, seem to be getting a lot of shots on net. Uh, again, it's not talking about the quality of the shots, but I mean, you throw that many on, you're probably getting, with that amount of talent there, you're probably, some of those are going to be some high quality chances. And the fact that they gave up none, I go, that's, that's huge. Like, that's a line that's working. And then for it to immediately be broken up as soon as Brian Little is healthy. And, and you know, and I know, and everybody really knows, the reason Brian Little gets that 2C back right away is loyalty. because his con- yeah his loyalty and his contract demands it that's what it is his contract demands it it's not about playing the best players in the best positions optimizers contract kind of things like you if wheeler say falls off a cliff in the worst way possible but not in real life i just mean his play I was concerned there for a second. I thought maybe you were going to go push him off a cliff. If everybody dies, no, if his play falls (laughs) right off a cliff and it's, you know, it's Letestu-esque, right? He's never going to be playing on the fourth line. Like, that that would never, ever, ever happen because his contract demands that he plays up. And I think that may, that's an old school way of thinking. Um, But uh, I kind of get it because you want to get some value out of it. And the only time... I could ever, ever think of that not being the case. And this is even a bit of a stretch was probably Myers uh, last year playing on the third pair and Kulikov when he was on the third pair, because that was, you know, 4.3 and 5.5, I believe together as almost like a $10 million pair on, uh, on your third pair. But that's also, you had Truba, you had Morrissey, you had Bufflin and they had the guy that Bufflin, whoever Bufflin was carrying that day, whether it was Sherratt, or whether it was Bull you or whether it was uh, Moral, right? And so those guys just got pushed down. But, I mean, I think that's probably not ideal to have a $10 million, thir- $10 million third pair. But, uh, yeah, I think Little is just in that spot, honestly. I don't think he, he loses it. The only way he loses it is if they trade for another first-line or, you know, another uh, second-line center that is supposed to be much better and probably is paid more or at least equal or close. So, yeah. So I don't think he he moves out of there, and 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 that might be fine if he is a second line center. But the rest of the lines around him need to move then. So fine, make cop the third line center, but then have uh you know Wheeler split up Wheeler and Shifley, and have uh Wheeler with uh Little and Connor on quote unquote the second line, then have cop on the third line with um you know Ehlers and Roslovic, and on the first line you have Perot and 
and line A and, and Shifley. And there he goes. There's your 1A, 1B, 1C. Like, it, it's really not that hard. And uh, you got snipers in each line. You got a bit of veteran and, and youth. You got different mix of speed and defensive abilities kind of spread throughout. And that's not even ideal. That's just kind but of... But where's the line. grit? Oh, Ryan, I'm going to... Okay, uh, I'm going to draft your place right now and beat the grit right out of you. <laughs> uh, I forgot you know where I live. Um, yeah. I'm not making That's that scary. draft tonight. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I, I think we beat that uh, uh, dead horse. Anyhow, you are originally from uh, Saskatchewan, and we got the Heritage Classic coming up. I don't know if you're actually... Are you, are you from... Were you born in Saskatchewan? Yeah, Prince Albert. Yeah. So there you go. So Heritage Classic coming up. Are you going back for that? What do you... Think. Oh, uh, oh, I will say this: the Jets lost the first Heritage Classic to um, uh, Edmonton. Edmonton, and that was the year that they should have made the playoffs, and they failed. Everybody forgets that that was a the, they were like a nine seed afterwards, and that was a huge failure as far as I'm concerned. Then the next year was a crazy year; they had nothing that disrupted it or anything, and that was the best year. And then last year they had that you know milk toast year. And they went and they had the Finland trip, which they went one and one. I think they won four two and lost four two, and they played Hellebuck in back to backs, which is you're not supposed to do that, but whatever. And they didn't take two Finns on the trip. I'll complain about that trip till the day I die. So now we got another Heritage Classic, but these specialty games don't seem to bode well for the season. They seem to be a bad omen. Um, I know I'm not superstitious. I'm being an idiot. Yeah, I was going to say, don't look too much into yeah. that. No, I know. I, hey, hey, I'm just giving context to the history here. Anyhow. So if the Jets Saturday. win on Saturday, they're going to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And they are no, going they to win it all. You heard it here first. AJ, thank you. They'll be 500 in uh, specialty games if they win on Saturday because uh, of the three other games. So they'll, they'll be 500, which would be good. They should win. Uh, that would be a good idea for them. You know, if I were the Jets, what I would do is I would just go to Regina and I would beat the, the Calgary Flames. That's, I don't know, that's what I would do. It seems well, simple enough. Well, you just said it. Why not do it? Well, I've, I just handed them the lines. You know what I got to do everything? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, are you. We'll are call you up back? Paul after the game. This or what? Hey, what? I said we'll call up Paul Maurice after, uh, uh, before the game and we'll tell him. Yeah. It's okay, so you, I'm not going. You're not going. Do you have any uh, family or friends going, or what do you what do you think of this whole spectacle? Is this an exciting thing? Should we be pumped for it after the way the Jets are playing? Uh, how does Calgary look? You know, is I don't know. I mean, it it doesn't really interest me to go sit in the cold and and freeze my ass off to watch a hockey game from that far away. Now, yeah. is is Fox going to have their puck tracker, where's uh, where there's uh, like a jet stream behind the puck so you can follow it, or is that just on TV? Do you remember that? Or didn't they make the puck blue? Yeah, I, know, I think it had like a red streak behind it. But you're getting way off. You're like, you're, oh, because you're going to be far away. Is that what you're saying? So they yeah, to, yeah. You give everybody when you walk in, they give you those like uh, red and blue glasses. Like the remember when you were a kid, you had to look at the book and it becomes 3D. They give you that, right? And that helps you see the yeah. puck. Yeah, it gives you like X-ray a, vision. But, there you go. Uh, no, I, my brother-in-law, he's going to the game and he's a big Calgary fan. And we discussed going together, but I, I can't, uh, I can't justify spending that much money to go freeze my ass off and watch a game from that far away. Um, maybe a few years ago I would, but I'm getting old, AJ. 
Yeah. I, I now like to watch it on TV where I can rewind and and uh, see the replay. That's that's how I like to watch the game now. But I I also think it's kind of it's kind of a dead thing. They played the same thing three years ago. There's one of these four times a year between the states and Canada. It's I don't know. I and think it's overdone. Chicago every year has to be yeah. an outdoor game. <laughs> I Chicago is actually moving out of the United Airlines Arena. They're just playing outdoors from now on. You know what they should honestly. This it's this whole farce of we're an indoor hockey team has just gone on long enough. I don't even know why they're pretending that they they even play indoors anymore. It's it's just <laughs> it's a joke. They're frauds. Uh, just go out and play at wherever. What's what's the football field? Uh, Soldier Stadium. Yeah. Well, they're playing Calgary, so Calgary was pretty good last year. Uh, both teams have played eleven games. Uh, they're five, five, and one. Jets are five, six, and zero. Oh. They got eleven points. We got ten. And what do we got? They're uh, uh, what was that? Um, oh, wins. Okay, sorry. I, was, I thought it was showing me the goals here. It wasn't showing me the goals. But both teams have recently lost. They're both coming off a, a one-game losing streak. Is what they're both on. So um, looks like two pretty evenly match teams, teams that should probably be better and were better last year than where they are in the standings, and now they're going to meet each other in the cold and um, freeze their asses off. Do you like watching the, the that game, the outdoor games? Do you like watching them on TV, though, like the spectacle of it, or you just you don't give a, a shit? Um, the whole spectacle of it, yeah, sure. <clears throat> I'll, okay. I, I guess I enjoy watching it on TV. Um, mm. it, it's something different. But yeah. again, I don't, I don't think it's uh, something that I'm going to be super excited about. If it happens, it happens. But if they weren't playing outdoors, I don't think I would care a whole lot. What's interesting is that Winnipeg will probably be in Calgary tomorrow. I'm guessing to start practicing and preparing. They go to Cal- uh, Regina. Or, sorry, sorry, Regina. But yeah. uh, but Calgary is playing in Florida tomorrow night. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Yeah, they're going to be in Florida, and then they they get back that night, and then they'll get, I guess, uh, practice in on the 25th. But uh, Winnipeg's going to have more time to prepare for this game because, of course, they have three days off in between. Well, and here's the the fun part. If the Jets win, then everyone, then the media will cite the fact that they had extra time to prepare. But if they lose, then they'll cite, you know, it's good when you don't have breaks and you can just keep rolling. And that's, uh, so that was to Calgary's uh, benefit. So really the talking points can go whichever way you want. It doesn't even matter. You just make it up, right? You yeah. Just, good in the room. He's gritty. They're, you know, played back-to-backs and so <laughs> it's good. And definitely play the same goalie back-to-backs because it worked out at one time, you know. So, yeah, it, it really doesn't doesn't matter. I, I will say this. It'll I'm be... not actually... Go ahead. I'm just going to say it's going to be interesting to see what the ice conditions like on Friday in Regina. It's supposed to be 15 degrees and sunny. That ice is going to be brutal. They won't be able to, maybe they won't be able to practice on that because that is that's warm. Like 15 I think they're, pract- they're practicing indoor actually. There's um I saw somebody had posted it uh, underneath the Jets post when they were talking about it and said that uh, whatever the arena call, uh, is called there, their, their indoor arena, probably where the Pats play, um, is going to be open to the public to, to watch practices. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't think they're I thought the teams usually yeah. got that opportunity to feel out the ice first before game day, but in this, I'm guessing they changed that because of the weather, because that's 
15 degrees and sunny, there's not a hope that that ice is going to uh, uh, be very good. Well, if that's the case, do you remember when it was in Winnipeg back in 2016 that they actually... Oh, I'm pretty sure it's the, the Winnipeg game where they delayed it. Yeah, they bumped it back to five, so the sun yeah. was setting and everything. So maybe we could see something like that in Calgary. So let's call it now. You heard oh, it here first. Right. The game gets delayed. Well, no. See in Regina. So here's where I pull up my Saskatchewan flag. We actually figured out how to put on our roof that covers more than just the the side stance. Oh. Here we we actually have we actually have a roof that goes around probably eighty percent of the stadium, so uh, should be no problem there. As uh, yeah, we we know so, how to do things out there. So is are you taking a shot at the bombers? Is that what that was? Yeah, and we have a quarterback. Okay. All right. <laughs> I hate I hate the CFL. So just everybody shut up. <laughs> Every, well everyone's okay. everyone's shutting this off now, so we may as well call our quits. We're both no, no, no. minutes. No. no, we still got forty-five minutes to go. Oh Christ! Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, this is this is an interesting thing because you you actually were talking about this the other day. Um, so the attendance thing. There's uh, people you know in media writing articles about the Jets' attendance. They didn't have the sellouts for the first time, which is a little bit uh, different. I think personally, I'm not that worried about it. I think the Jets have just come back to the equilibrium of what's normal in all other sports markets, where you don't sell out all the time. Uh, obviously we have our own issues with the size of the, the arena and, and fan expectations, but I think this is pretty, pretty normal. More and more people are watching at home, which I thought was funny that you just said that you just want to watch the, the heritage classic at home. So you're part of the problem, Ryan. Of, uh, I've been know, to two it. games this year and I live this far away. I am not a part of the problem and I would like you to apologize. I apologize to everyone that had had to listen to this podcast. Um, I've <laughs> three games, Ryan, so there you go. So I'm definitely not part of the problem. Okay. Three games already. Well, I don't even know how many games they had. But anyhow, the tenants. Um, the, it's interesting because, uh, t- to me, when the Jets came back, there was the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, uh, what, the Winnipeg Thunder? No, I don't, <laughs> I don't even remember. what uh, Bombers? Gold eyes and the moose were here, but then they left right away, obviously. Um, and I think that was it for sports teams. But now, since they've been back, we've added the Winnipeg Ice, obviously, Valor. And am I missing anybody else? I think that's probably it, right? Now the moose are back. Oh, and now the moose are back. Yeah, of course. Sorry, that was the other one. So when they came back, uh, you saw, I, I looked into this, the attendance drop for the Bombers until they moved into the new stadium. Then obviously they had a spike for that. But the, I mean, the, uh, the gold eyes, I think from when the Jets started to when the Jets had their second playoff run, I think it was like a 60,000 person drop over the, the whole year. So, um, so when, when they came, they sort of were stealing all that, that entertainment dollar, which is fine and to be expected. And that's whatever. But now that there's so much so many other places to put that entertainment dollar it feels like that is also part of it like this this whole attendance conversation feels like multi-faceted where it's more and more people stay home prices go up uh there's way more other options just like there are in other markets the team isn't good so people don't want to go watch it right it feels like there's probably way way more layers than people are just letting on that they just say oh it's just price right 
Um, but now what it's going to maybe work against the Jets where they were able to kind of get all that entertainment dollar market share before. Now, since that time, there's been so many, like I said, other options that'll actually work against the Jets because people will just say, you know what, for a minimum ticket price of what, $50, $60 to go see the Jets, you know, I can go to the ice for $20 or I can go to the Moose for $29. Now, you went to the Moose game the other day and you really didn't have a very good time. Uh, so I want to actually ask you, because I think we both agree on this. You could talk about your time and, and wrap it up with this. But should the Moose move out of Winnipeg, would that be the smart move for True North to sort of take away another bit of competition to their their main main ticket in town? Hashtag, and then talk about, talk about your no. Moose too. Hashtag move the moose. Isn't that you didn't you start that? I did that, yeah. Two O's. Move Move the Moose. The moose. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I don't think competition really helps the attendance of the Jets. Um I don't really have a whole lot to add on that. I went to the Moose game on Saturday. I don't know. But it was the first time I went to a Moose game since they came back, and it was brutal. There is, I understand it's a cheap alternative when the family wants to go out, and that's great. If they enjoyed it, sure. But I, I didn't see it. The on-ice product was horrible. I've I've been to junior A games that have been faster with better passing and and overall play. Uh, the environment was iffy, and then. I know this is gonna sound silly, but I missed half the second period waiting for a hot dog. <laughs> I went with Glenn, and we waited in line at the end of the first period to get a hot dog. We didn't get back to our seats until eight minutes left in the second period. Right. That's like forty-five minutes waiting in line, which yeah. is brutal, and just kind of bummed me out right there that I had to overpay for a hot dog and miss that much of the game it's it just it's so crowded in that concourse even with i'm guessing 3500 people there they have half the concu- uh um 70 70% of the concessions not concussions uh shut down and just i don't know it didn't feel like a fun experience and i'll go back to what you're saying about the jets that game experience kind of sucks too, and maybe that's why the attendance has been lower. Now I know uh, Toronto actually was under nineteen thousand last night, and someone said that was the first time in years. And there's yeah. been other teams that are struggling, and maybe that's just where we're at right now as a league. And I guess that's more uh, hopeful that it's not just a Winnipeg thing; it's just a league-wide thing. But still, the in-game experience, even for Jets, is just stale and boring. It actually got more boring when you think that they would learn from previous years and do more things. Yeah. But uh, it's just it's so quiet in there. It was funny. We were sitting there in the first period of the Islanders game, and we could hear a phone ring. Someone's cell phone <laughs> went off, and we could hear it ring, and we could tell it was from, like, sections away. <laughs> So if that doesn't yeah. tell you how stale the environment is, I don't know what will. It's just yeah, I, yeah. No, and, he, and, no and here's the here's the dual narrative, right? People, I've heard both where it's like the Jets are the best fans. It's loud. It's uh, it's 
you know, everything. And then other times when it's quiet, then people be like, oh, real hockey fans don't need to cheer. We just, you know, sit and watch the game. <laughs> I just think it's funny that people try and, like, just argue for it and be, like, try and, like, save, you know, the, the team. I'm like, you don't have to do that at all. I mean, if you want to be loud and crazy, that's fine as long as you're not spilling beers on anybody. doesn't bother me. You want to dress up. I don't really care. For me, I like to sit, and I'm generally pretty quiet until the team scores and I, I go crazy. But usually I'm just talking yeah. with whoever, whoever I'm with. So I'm a, a quieter fan, and and I don't mind doing that. I certainly don't mind it being louder. But, uh, yeah, some of the things I just keep saying, you know, just add more T-shirt cannons. And uh, <laughs> obviously, if anyone's ever listened to the podcast, they probably know that I hate, hate the organ. I think the organ is the cheesiest, lamest, oldest, stupidest thing ever. I They're mean, not doing it. it that much this year, I don't think. Yeah. They have in-house yeah. uh, DJ now. Yeah, on the weekend games they do. Yeah. Oh, okay. For the Jets and the Moose, they have uh, a DJ, yeah, but not um, not during the week. So, um but yeah, I, I I hate the organ, and I think they should add a drum line for for a goal song. Uh, and I I mean, take the lights off the fans so you light up the ice a little bit more, um, play better music. Just there's a uh, you know a couple things, just right there. You could probably make it a little bit more exciting. But whatever, uh, I I don't actually mind when it's really quiet in there. <laughs> Which sounds weird, so I don't really care. I, I don't mind if, uh, you know, it's I'm the only person watching the game and there's uh, no 15,000. I don't need to watch with other people, but I would prefer to watch it live than watch it on TV. But I'd prefer everybody shut the hell up or, like, you know, like, don't talk about <laughs> your taxes behind me. I'd rather just, like, talk about the game and hear people talking about the game and ooing and aahing at the right moments. Right now, like, oh, what a shot. So you're like, no, that, that, that wasn't a cheerable moment. That was, there was nothing happened there. That was, you know, and then all of a sudden somebody gets in a fight and, you know, bloody somebody up and knocks them unconscious and everybody's on their feet. And I'm like, uh, I'm just rolling my eyes because that's definitely not my jam at all. So I, uh, I think you and I are on the same page there. I'm more of a sit down, watch it. Um, I don't yeah, care so. for the chit chat around me because most of the time it's the hot garbage. Yeah, boy, we're just a. a I'm talking about you, podcast listener. Yeah, you, John. No, it's this. You know, you're in a building with fifteen thousand other people, or fourteen thousand this year, and uh, you just get those people who make stupid comments. It's just like, what game are you watching? Yeah, hold on. I, w- I want to tell this one. I don't know if I ever told on the podcast, and it, it kind of relates because the Jets just played LA. But a couple years ago, back in 2016, uh, Kyle Clifford rammed Kyle Connor's head into the boards, right? And he was injured and he was out for, you know, a couple weeks after that. And they just played LA again, and Clifford was out there. So um, I remember a lady behind me, she says, See, this is why Thorburn shouldn't be in the press box. And I'm like, I turned around and I said, he's not in the press box. He's literally on the ice as that happened. He's right there standing next to Kyle <laughs> on the ground talking to the ref. He's not in the press box at all. He's in it. And, you know, the whole idea being that the fact that he was out there would deter Kyle Clifford from doing this. And then afterwards, you know, when Clifford and Thorburn fought later on in the game, I just said to the, the my buddy that I was with, I said, well, I, I know that they fought, but I just feel like, the fight really should have uninjured Kyle Connor from all this because I'm just not <laughs> for, for thuggery, but it's like it didn't prove anything. Like Thorburn was there, it wasn't a deterrent. They fought and it didn't fix the guy that was injured. So the whole idea of 
fighting is is pretty lame, especially that one that just happened the other day with the condors that they posted. Yeah. Or the gulls or whoever it was, and the guy just knocked unconscious. I mean, I don't know how people watch that and don't get a little bit queasy at that. Well, I'm not sure why you're jump- using it to advertise your game. Look at people get bloodied unconscious, smack their head on the ice, get brain damage. Come watch us. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand it. I know a couple years ago when the getting fighting out a hockey thing really started. No, yeah. it's like, it's a part of the game. You can't do that. No, hockey needs fighting. And then I thought about this about a week ago. It's like, I don't remember seeing a fight this year in the NHL. Even games I've watched, not like, I don't go looking for them on YouTube or whatever. But games I've been watching, I don't yeah. think I've seen a fight. Like, it, I notice it doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. I, I'm all for fighting not being a part of the game it's uh yeah we're we've completely gone off the rails here absolutely okay La- last two things um oh god two th- things you just two things yeah you just gotta update your your thing does buff come back this season or is he done i vote yes he definitely comes back he comes back before uh december um first he's and what's done. your your say he's done you say he's done okay everybody just remember this moment because when he comes back, I'm going to fucking rub it in your fucking face. <laughs> and then um, last thing is, I know you hate, you hate, hate it when on the podcast we talk about Patan. But did you watch that that thing about uh, Patan and his father the other day? The the I watched you know. it last night, yeah. And yeah. I have two thoughts on that. It's good that um, this is out there and maybe it's out there for mental health awareness. Yeah. But the second part is like TSN just wants views. They're I think they're kind of exploiting this story for for some time. Well no, really. It's just it's just like news. What is it why does news exist? Because they wanna they want views and they want to make money. That, that's my thought. It was it was a great piece. It was very well done, and I think if it can shed light on some mental health awareness, then that's terrific. I just don't think that was 100% their intent with that story, and uh, I don't know. Maybe unpopular opinion, but that's how I feel. All right. Well, I would say Buff is coming back. You heard it here first. Book it. And then also I'll say I love the Patan story. We, we knew... Um, I know some people were surprised. I guess maybe it didn't make the rounds, but that his father had had actually killed himself. I don't think everybody realized that's how his father passed away. Um, you and I, and most of the guys of the podcast, I think, uh, would would all be aware of that we talked about it at the time. Um, so yeah, like you say, I think it's great. You know, that it shed some some light on some stuff and and showed the human side of the players. And me as a guy that watched Patan when he first came to his thing here obviously as a fan of him and you know heartbroken for him and then it pretty much I don't want to say ruined his career but it happened right in training camp like you said and then he came back to the team in November and everything was established and that was supposed to be his year to sort of break in with the Jets everyone saw the potential even people that didn't like Patan you kind of look at the depth chart and you're like yeah I you mean that not his potential his potential his potential oh you're awful anyhow and uh and so it sort of derailed all that because he came back and was probably a bit of a shell of his former self for a bit and then uh you know he played played well for the i think 14 games or so he had him but then obviously maurice had had other plans and the team had kind of moved on from him so it was a unfortunate way to sort of end his time here so good luck to him in his future career but uh yeah i'm i'm 
I'm glad that they shared their story. It's a uh, one that should probably be heard. So anyhow, that's it, man. I don't, I don't have thing, anything else to say, and you keep telling me to wrap it up. So I need to, I need to yeah. pee. All right. And that is the Jet Centric Podcast. Okay, bye, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks, AJ. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, I'm hanging up on you. Goodbye. And it wouldn't be me if I didn't forget something. Oh, yeah. Jets Nation. We're part of Jets Nation now. Partners with them. Go check out JetsNation.ca. NHL Jets Nation, I believe, on the Twitter. Also check out uh, Jets Nation podcast. Uh, Brothers over there doing way more refined work than what we do here. But a little different flavor for everyone. So go check out Jets Nation. Uh, That's it. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet-Centric Broadcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet-Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and today I'm joined by Ryan Faith from Brandon, Manitoba via Portage of Prairie. Today we're going to be talking about Nick Patan for one and one half hours. I hope that you enjoy what we have to say about it. We're going to be talking about his whole career in junior. We're going to be talking about his face-off percentages, how he does not even play for the Winnipeg Jets anymore, and what an injustice this is. So uh, stay tuned, buckle up, and uh, enjoy the ride for Patano Mania on the Jet-Centric Podcast. Ryan, over to you.